Hi, everyone. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And on the line from our Nashville office, we have our colleague, Greg Garber, who is a senior advisor on the Customer Experience Council. Hi, Greg. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jenny. Greg, I've written about governance in our research over the years, and I think so have some of our other analysts. But the question we're going to put to you is one that we haven't answered that well in our research, which is how do you actually set up a customer experience governance framework or function in your organization. And that's a really difficult challenge, which is I know from research as we were trying to collect examples, we weren't able to find that many of really high-functioning, well-run examples of this. So no pressure, Greg, but that's what we'd like for you to do for us today, answer that question. And I'd love to start with this, which is why does this matter? What is the value you've seen companies get from a high-functioning CX governance setup or framework? Sure. It's incredibly challenging because it requires kind of a line of sight into really every part of the business that could impact the end customer. That can include a number of different technologies. It includes different communication channels. It includes experiences interacting with employees and colleagues. And so it's incredibly challenging and it's, it's incredibly nuanced and kind of dependent on, I think, each organization. So depending on how the organization is set up, depending on your products and your services, there's a great basic framework that we have and that we can look to for CX governance. And there are certainly some critical components and foundational elements that you can focus on to make sure that you're successful. And there are some good examples from some of the clients that we have on our Customer Experience Council. Uh, I have some good examples from my prior experience as well, but it really is nuanced and it really kind of depends quite a bit on the organization that you're working within and kind of how CX has been set up there. Part of why it's so important is that many of us work for very large organizations with a lot of different siloed groups. Sometimes you have siloed databases, there's not always communications governance and there's really kind of just this non-cohesive experience for members because of that. And so CX governance is a way to kind of establish oversight over your interactions with your customers and there's really one group or one person or one team that's responsible to fix any of those issues that come up and then avoid those issues from occurring in the future. Sort of eyes and ears across the organization and also some accountability, right, to make sure that time is being spent on this and that it's happening. I do want to talk a little bit about where some of this advice is coming from. It's really hard to find examples of people who have established this, right, or have a really mature process. And so you speak with a lot of people who are working on this, but then you also have background in trying to do this yourself. Yeah, so prior to Forrester, I worked at CVS Caremark where I set up their CX governance function. And probably over the course of a year and a half to two years, worked to build out the strategy and be very formal about Mm -hmm. the roles and responsibilities, super formal about the SLAs that were put in place and the agreed upon processes and how I would actually work with the rest of the organization to make sure that it was CX governance was efficient and effective. And so to be able to do that, you need to have a really clear objective up front, but you also need an executive mandate. If you're going to be successful, you really do need your executive leadership to be on board, not only be on board, but support you and really empower you. So I think that's probably number one, much like successful CX culture transformation, you need that executive buy-in and you need that mandate and you need that backing. Because if you're going to go to executives from other parts of the organization and essentially ask them for some of their time and resources and their commitment to CX governance, you need the backing of leadership. So I would say that's probably the most important. At CVS Caremark, was that sort of a immaculate conception there of leadership getting it and seeing the need for it? Or were you part of a team that made a case for that? How did that come about? It was interesting. Uh, The president of the company at the time recognized that there was a need for someone to focus on the cohesive experience for our members. And my understanding is that he looked to his leadership team and said, okay, well, who within the organization can actually own this? 
And previously, I think they had some different groups within the operations department that were focused on pieces of governance. But we had a member and patient experience team at Chemark, which rolled up to the chief marketing officer. And ultimately, we had line of sight into pretty much every interaction that the members and patients experienced because of just the function, the CX function that was set up there. So really, it had to live with our group. And the president of the company came to us and basically said, okay, well, come to us with a strategy. Work with the other stakeholders. Tell us who should be involved. Tell us how it's going to work. Tell us what you need from a resources perspective. And then come to us with some commitments. So what are you going to do to actually have an impact on the business? Is there going to be some kind of reduction in operational costs? Can you actually work on some additional programs and maybe potentially add some revenue? So there were a lot of components that led to the support and setting up of that CX governance, but it really had to live within the CX team because the CX team was really the only ones who had line of sight into all of the different channels and groups within the organization that could have an impact on the end customer. And so that's why I tapped to lead it. And that's why we really had the support to go forward and push through and set it up. So it sounds like step one, make sure you have executive buy. So either make the case for it, be lucky enough to be in an organization where they have bought into it, then you want to find out where that should live in the organization, making sure that you have visibility, right, Mm. and access. Well, two others in there that I heard Mm. you say, Greg, one is spec out what it's going to take to do this well. And and that was sort of a request to you from leadership. And I think that's so important. And what benefits we're going to get from this. I hear a lot of organizations that I talk to, when they talk about governance, they almost always talk about the pain the cost side of the ledger that we have to get approval for this decision. We don't have autonomy to make it ourselves, or we have to take this extra step and that's going to take longer, or we won't get budget because it has to come through the central committee or whatever it is. Not talking about, and you highlighted this, the benefit. What do we get in terms of time saved or in terms of consistency or in terms of you know likelihood that we prioritize the right things instead of anything that's a pet project of someone in the organization? So I think it's a really important step that a lot of companies would probably be well served to take to help justify doing this right in the first place, because you can point to some of these potential benefits benefits is a reason for why you're making the case that we should do this. Absolutely. And I've heard this from a lot of the members that we have on the Customer Experience Council, but formalizing roles and responsibilities is pretty important too, because there is this tendency when you have a CX function that's essentially trying to establish governance. Sometimes you will get other parts of the organization that feel a little threatened by that. And they feel like you may be taking away some of their responsibility and some of their ownership of certain aspects of the customer experience, whether it's user experience or the digital experience and the portal that customers go through. It's So I think it's really important to just be very formal and clear and specific with what your intentions are and really letting your stakeholders know that you're a partner with them. Mm. You're working with them to ensure that at the end of the day, the customer experience is where it needs to be. And I think clear communication is another critical component. But Tim, you mentioned prioritization and scope. Those are two incredibly important things, at least from my own experience and from what I've heard from the members on the CX Council. Having the proper scope and understanding what you would need from a resource perspective if you to increase that scope is critical. But then prioritization. If you're unable to prioritize your work, whether it's CX governance or anything else, that's a pretty good recipe for failure. I mean, you really, you can get overloaded, probably won't be able to do as good of a job with the top priorities because you're focused on all these other priorities. Prioritization is critical. With that executive mandate, I think being really clear and formal on the prioritization process and what happens when you have new priorities that come in from other executives within the organization, being able to go back to your executive sponsors to say, hey, here's what we've set up. Here are our top priorities. Here's what we're committing to. Here are the timelines that we're committing to. Maybe even using a phased approach so you can have manageable chunks to actually get some of that work done and show some of the progress and keep some of the momentum. That stuff is really, really critical. And if you aren't super formal with that, and if you want very transparent with your stakeholders and with your executive team, you can run into a lot of challenges, a lot of problems. 
I think there are a few different ways to do it. The way that I've seen it be most successful is, you know, when you have your CX governance team, you have the roles and responsibilities uh, set up accordingly. When you can also have an executive sponsor committee, even if they only meet, you know, on a monthly basis, but when you can actually take the burden off of the CX governance team on tough situations where you have a number of different priorities from different parts of the business, where you can pass that back to the executive team and say, hey, so we've already committed to these specific programs and here's what we're working on, here are the timelines, et cetera. Here's what we're being asked to take on that we don't have the resources to support. What would you like us to do? Here are the trade-offs. And so as we were setting up CX governance and as we were getting it approved you know, from our executive team, going to them and saying, hey, we need you to have executive sponsor committee where you can actually handle requests like this for us so that we can be efficient and effective. So it's kind of an agreement up front early on with the executive sponsors, with the leadership team to ensure that everyone is on the same page and that you know, you're just very transparent and comfortable with having some difficult conversations. And I think that if you're able to do that, I think you're set up for success. I often find too that those steering committees that involve executives making those difficult decisions is one of the most leveraged ways to get executives involved with CX transformation, which is to say they sit in this one hour, two hour a month or however, whatever the cadence is meeting, and they are making a very meaningful, important, necessary contribution to CX transformation that is also role appropriate at the executive level. We need you to be the final arbiters on difficult decisions. All the easy ones assume they've been made already. And so this is where you come in and provide air support to the things that we want to do because you've blessed them in this meeting. I often find that clarifying when a CX team can communicate that to executives to say, this is the most important thing you can do to support us. And they're looking at that as something that's completely sustainable for them. Another one hour meeting on the calendar each month. I mean, they have so many, but that's how their schedules are organized. So it it feels right in terms of their involvement. Exactly. And if you can have some high level kind of KPIs and goals, that's part of the CX governance function in general or specific priorities that you're working on within you know, your CX governance committee. Being able to have that hour or two hour, you know, a month opportunity to get in front of the executive team and provide an overview of what's occurring and the different priorities that are coming from other parts of the business, but then also show them some of the high-level dashboard KPIs and some of the actual results of the work that you're focused on. I think that's critical as well to ensure that they see the value in what you're doing. Yeah, because I was just going to say before that while that's great if they can help with making the prioritization decisions and pointing out things that matter and sort of agreeing amongst themselves their competing priorities, you also want to be empowered as a CX governance and make sure that one person's priorities that maybe aren't as customer centric or would take away from something really critical aren't railroading what's being done. Totally agree. And I think you're the customer advocate, but you're also kind of the advocate of your colleagues and the rest of the CX committee and team that you've put in place. The other thing, we touched on it briefly, but communicating out to your stakeholders and to the organization, it's so critical, making sure that everyone's on the same page, making sure that everyone feels involved and they feel like you know they know the actual impact that they're going to be having on the customer experience by interacting with your team. That communication piece, I would almost say it's, it's just super critical to maybe even over-communicate up front and at first to make sure that everyone is at least comfortable with the approach that you're going with and, and has an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish, what the roles and responsibilities are, et cetera. So the communication piece is probably one of the most important, but um, one of the last kind of fundamentals that I would focus on. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that's something in my steering committee research came up a lot that they needed to have the agenda fully vetted with every person before every meeting so that there right. weren't people in the room saying, well, I didn't see this. I don't agree to this agenda at the, you know, the actual meetings. And then they needed to assume that they would have to really badger people after the meeting to follow up on action items and to-dos. And 
that that was a key success factor in, in those meetings. And that's really all about communication and just being on the ball with those executives, especially at that level where they're often not paying that close attention to some of these things. All right. Well, uh, Greg, thank you for joining us. And thank you for uh, imparting some of your hard-earned wisdom around CX governance. It's one of those areas where the wisdom is almost always hard-earned. So we appreciate it. Listeners will post links to a couple of CX governance articles in the show notes for you. So you can go deeper on some of the examples and frameworks that we were talking about here that are part of a good CX governance function. And we'll talk to you all on next week's CX cast. Bye for now. Thanks to our colleagues, Amanda Chen for recording and mixing the episode and Will Wilsey for editing and publishing. And listeners, if you have questions, feedback, comments, or suggestions for new episodes, please email us at cxcast at forster.com. And remember, your customers' perceptions are your customer experience reality.